Father God, please would you open our eyes as we look at your words here in the Bible this morning. By your Holy Spirit, help us to see what these things mean for us. We think of the families too meeting downstairs with David as they look at your word too. Pray that you would teach them and encourage them just as we pray you would do for us listening now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what would be a good outcome of this lockdown this time around, we might be asking ourselves. When we headed into lockdown last March, uh, I think there was a bit of a feeling that if we didn't emerge, you know, having passed grade eight piano, become fluent in Russian, read War and Peace, cycled from Land's End to John O'Groats, if only on Zwift, um, then, you know, really there's no excuse given lockdown. I think, I think this time around, my general sense is, you know, if, we're, if we emerge and we're able to say, I've survived, no one's died because we haven't killed each other, uh, I'm still just about sane most of the time, well, actually, that would be a success. And as we begin this new year and this new term, we're focusing on this idea of growing in faith and uh, we're looking at four of Paul's prayers in the New Testament, four places where he tells us what he is praying for, uh, for those that he writes to. And these prayers help us to start answering that question, what would a good outcome of lockdown look like? What would a good outcome for this year, whatever it brings, what would that look like? What we pray for tells us something about our priorities. We, we tend to pray for things that we feel are important to us in some way. We tend to pray for things that we don't feel we have control over. And often that can end up being kind of right here, right now kind of things. Physical health, protection, getting through the day. You know, it feels important, it feels beyond our control, and so we pray for it. And in one sense, all of those things are things that we can and should pray about. But it's striking that when we turn to Paul's prayers, he has a slightly different agenda as he prays. His focus, again, is things that are both important and beyond our control. But what does he think is important? Have a look at verse 10 in the, the reading that we heard from Colossians chapter 1. He, he, he's prayed that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that that means that they would know what God wants, in order to live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. This is what he thinks is important, living to please God, a life focused not on ourselves, not on our own comfort, but on him. So the question for us as we think about what outcome we desire from this lockdown and from this year, the question is how much of our answer has to do with living to please God? Of course, the Christian knows or ought to know we don't live to please God because he is somehow needy. 
Uh, he's not incomplete without us serving him in some way. Our pleasing him is not a big game of arm twisting. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We, we can't manipulate him, in other words. Our wanting to please him instead flows out of his sacrificial, self-giving love for us. When we understand what he's done so that now we're united to Jesus, adopted as God's children, living lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we understand all that, how could we possibly not want to live to please our Heavenly Father? That is the logic. But having got that far, we might still then say, I, I understand that pleasing God has to be the goal, more than my own comfort or satisfaction, but I, I struggle in practice. I struggle under the pressure of lockdown. I struggle at the kitchen table during homeschool, you know, maybe with mum or dad breathing down my neck. I struggle at my computer on yet another Zoom call. I struggle figuring out how to do home working or how to carry on working in very difficult environments elsewhere. I struggle dealing with loneliness. I struggle worrying about elderly family or I'm frustrated and worried about and anxious about issues in the wider world. And so I just think, just, just surviving is all I can possibly hope for. And I'm not even confident I'm doing that at the moment. I'm afraid, you know, the idea of pleasing God is really gonna to have to take a back seat for a while. Well, the thing is, the Apostle Paul was no stranger to difficult times, to things not going according to plan. Where was he as he wrote this letter? Do you know where he was? He was in prison. He was chained up, and not because he'd done something wrong, not because he'd committed a crime, but because of his faith in Jesus. And even then, in this unfair situation, it's not his fault, it's not something he's done wrong, what does he pray? He's still praying, his focus of his prayers is still on pleasing God. And as we'll see in a few weeks when we return to this and look at chapter 4, it's also telling others about him too. That is his focus. It's a good focus to go into a new year with. But we need help to see what it looks like, especially when we're struggling. So he spells it out in three ways in the, the verses that follow. This is what pleasing God looks like. So first of all, we put it on the screen, keeping growing. Keeping growing. Here's the first thing that pleasing God looks like. Can you see that in the second half of verse 10? Um, I guess, you know, many of us um, and many of us in the wider world have actually been growing in and out of lockdown, growing in size, growing in our knowledge of Netflix box sets. You know, shares in Netflix have doubled in the last year, unsurprisingly. Uh, growing in our ability to entertain ourselves in whatever ways we can find to fill the time. There's been lots of growth in those kind of ways. But Paul prays for the Colossians to please God by growing in the knowledge of God and bearing fruit in every good work. Knowing God better and living for him is the goal. This ties in, if you were here last week, um, we were uh, hearing from, uh, with, with David um, in John chapter 15, and Jesus saying, I am the, the vine. When we're joined to Jesus, and we remain in him, we bear fruit, just as Paul talks about here, bearing fruit in every good work. We live for him. See, there's a danger sometimes we reduce Christianity to just a form of words. 
you know, um, a formula. Believe in Jesus and you'll go to heaven. You know, great, job done. I've believed in him. What, what else is there to do? And, and actually, when we put it like that, everything else gets a bit in the way of me living my life as I want to live it. But Paul is reminding us, no, that's not, <clears throat> that's not the point at all. We are saved into relationship with the God who made us so that we might know him, he says. In verse 9, he talks about knowing his will through the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. Now, there's a lot of long words there in, in these verses, isn't there? But he's saying the Holy Spirit helps us know God and the Holy Spirit helps us know how God wants us to live. And we know from lots of things in the rest of the Bible that the way the Holy Spirit does that is through God's Word. It's through the Bible. That's the sword of the Spirit that he inspired and that he now uses to bring people closer to God. So, so when we open the Bible and when we're looking at the Bible, we aren't reading a normal book. You know, someone put it like this, that we're reading a book in the presence of its author. Have you ever read a book written by someone you know? Happens, maybe occasionally happens. You know, I, I read a sadly unpublished novel written by a friend a few years ago. Now, I wouldn't normally bother to read a random novel that publishers had deemed not worth trying to sell. But this was different. It was written by my friend. And so I thought, oh, yeah, I want to read this. And actually, it was great. And sadly, you know, it fell between the categories of comedy and historical fiction and crime, which apparently was why they couldn't, you know, publishers wouldn't, weren't really interested in it because they wouldn't know where to put it in the shop. That's what it came down to, apparently, sadly. But you see, knowing the author changes how you approach a book like that, doesn't it? And even more than that, how much more true would it be if, as you read this book and you know the author, the author is right there with you, standing in front of you as you read their work? Well, how much more would you pay attention and listen? And so when it comes to reading the Bible, that, that reminds us this is about a living relationship with God. He's right here with us by his Spirit, opening our eyes as we read his word. That is the way that this prayer that Paul prays here is answered as he gives us spiritual wisdom and understanding <clears throat> so that we get to know him better and we grow in our faith in him. So do join us in our Old Testament reading plan that we're, we're doing at the moment at St. John's. We're in the second half of the Old Testament. It's probably the hardest part of the Bible, to be fair, but we're going to try it anyway, see how we get on. And when we come up with things we don't understand, we, we, we talk with one another and we try and work at it. The details are on the website. I think the, the physical copies of the book are at the back as well. But more than just read the Bible, let, let's ask ourselves, what is growing, what is growing in faith going to look like for me during this season and beyond? That's where this, uh, this card that we've published comes in. So uh, it gives you some questions on the inside to, to ask yourself, to reflect on over the coming weeks as, as, we, as we look at God's word as well. And then on the back, it, it gives you space to write down prayerfully three areas in which I'm seeking to grow in 2021. And then because growth in the, in the New Testament is both about our own 
spiritual growth, but also growth in number as God's people. <clears throat> it gives us space to pray, to three people for whom I'm going to pray regularly to come to know Jesus. So three areas where I'm seeking to grow, three people for whom I will pray regularly. You know they say, you know, by the, I think it's the 15th of January is the cutoff for New Year's resolutions. That's basically when we abandon them. Okay, so the point now is to say this is not just one of those kind of things which we forget about. We're going to keep doing this till, to, for a start, aim to, to do this by the end of January. So don't just do it now, forget about it. Prayerfully think about it over the coming weeks and then we will aim to keep on referring back to this through the whole of 2021. This is a 2021 thing, not a five-minute thing to do now. But it's in response to what we're reading here, that a life pleasing God is first keeping growing, keeping growing, but it's tough. And that's why we need to see next in these verses, pleasing God is not just about keeping growing, it's secondly also about keeping going, keeping going. This is verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Now, so how much, how much power does he say is available? How much power? Is it just, is he just saying, is it just a little bit a little bit of power, is that what that means? You know, squeezed out rations like a, you know, a massive bar of chocolate that's been then divided up into thousands of little tiny pieces. You know, it's wonderful, but not that great really. No, this is power for every believer according to his glorious might. How much power does God have? Well, it's... It's infinite, it's unending, it's incomparable. And according to that power, Paul prays for these Christians to be strengthened with that same kind of power. And you think, okay, well, you know, that sounds amazing. What can I do with that kind of power? And he says, when you have that kind of power that God will give you according to his might, when you have that, do you know what's going to happen? You will keep going. You will just keep going when it's tough. You will have endurance and patience. Now, we said before that we're tempted to say, all I want to do now is survive. And I'm not really expecting any growth. I'm not really expecting any change. And Paul is saying in one sense, well, actually, just keeping going is a sign of incredible spiritual strength that comes from God and not from ourselves. But what kind of keeping going is he talking about? It's not just that kind of sense of just getting to the end of lockdown and still being here, you know, just holding the family together or keeping the job or staying physically well, as important as those things are. No, he's saying this is about keeping going as a Christian believer. And doesn't that feel hard? If, if you are trusting in Jesus today, even that feels hard to just cling on to stick with him to keep going and Paul is saying do you know what it's not down to you personally to do that by yourself but when you pray and you trust God he will give you his strength and it will be according it won't just be a little bit of strength that he gives you it will be according to his glorious might that he will keep you going so look to him don't look to ourselves don't despair we look at ourselves and think i can't possibly keep going in these ridiculous circumstances that we're in now no no you can't and neither can i but according to god's glorious power he will keep us 
going. And so, you know, think about it. The, the, the devil longs to see Christians fall away during this pandemic. He, he longs to see Christians drift away from fellowship with one another. And of course, we are physically separated in, in many ways. Even when we manage to meet here in the building, we're still separated because we have to kind of kick everybody out and say, sorry, you can't talk to each other. And so there's even more reason to realize we need to pray this for ourselves and for one another to keep going, to endure, to keep saying no to sin, to keep saying yes to Jesus day by day. It's often said that following Jesus is like riding a bike. You know, if you try and just stand still or sit still on your bike, what's going to happen? You will just fall off. But the way that you keep going, the way that you keep growing, is by keeping going. And the way that you keep going is by keeping growing. Particularly as this lockdown season gets... You know, goes on far longer than any of us hoped or imagined with all the knock-on consequences of that as well physically and spiritually we need to know God's strength the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us and will work in us if we're trusting Jesus and that will keep us so pleasing God looks like keeping growing keeping going and then finally keeping grateful keeping grateful from, from the last three verses. This is the engine of following Jesus, giving joyful thanks to the Father, Paul says in verse 12, who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So I know one or two people here and, and online were meant to be taking exams this year. You know, and you've just found out they're not going to be happening, which maybe provokes a bit of relief uh, but maybe also provokes a bit of anxiety because, you know, now the question is, is the new system, whatever they work out they're going to do, is that going to be fair? Is it going to be accurate? And what are the implications for the next steps that are going to be taken and all that kind of thing? And Paul says, when it comes down to the Christians standing with God, it's not down to us to qualify ourselves to prove that we're good enough, to demonstrate we can pass the exam, to get through the assessment. Now, what does he say? Can you see in verse 12, he says, he has qualified you. He's qualified us. And that qualification doesn't just mean that he's, you know, he's improved our score a little on the godliness scale. You know, we were, we were at kind of 40% and he's, he's added a bit more and now we're at 55, which kind of gets you over the the, the, the past mark. No, that isn't how it works at all. This is a transfer, can you see? It's a transfer from darkness to light. It's, it's a kind of death to life, from drastic fail to glowing distinction, rescued from the dominion of darkness, where darkness and sin and the devil rule us, to the kingdom of his son, where we can say, verse 14, we have redemption. We're free from the penalty our sins deserve. Our sins have been forgiven. Our guilt before God is dealt with because of Jesus' death for us in our place. And so having been forgiven and accepted, is this, is this a good kingdom to be in? A good place to be? Well, this is the kingdom of the Son. And how does he describe him? Can you see verse 13? The kingdom of the Son he loves. 
Our Father often describes Jesus not just as his son, but as his beloved son. This is a relationship of of warmth, of joy, of intimacy, of complete openness and transparency where we have nothing to fear. It's a family love. Sometimes in this world, families don't always live up to this kind of description. Maybe we've grown up in an environment which could be described as as a loving family, or we could say that's where we are now, or or maybe we couldn't. But sometimes we stumble across it, or, or another example of it, and we get invited into the warmth of the life of a family that is functioning as it should, where there is that mutual appreciation and love and joy and affection Isn't isn't that attractive? Isn't that something to long for? And you see, Paul is saying, you are already qualified for the kingdom of this son that God loves on a far greater scale than any human love could ever achieve. And there is nothing more for you to do to be there, to experience that love too, to be part of that family. So if you've not yet trusted in Jesus for yourself, have you understood that this is what is on offer? This life in, to join in this family love, to be in this kingdom of the son that he loves. Well, what then is the proper response to that if we're trusting in this son? Well, verse 12, if you look, it is joyful thanks, gratefulness. Just think how easily our attitude in life is not to be grateful, but actually, what is it? Well, it's it's to grumble, isn't it? to complain, to say, it's, to say it's not fair, to complain about what, what we don't have, to complain about what other people are doing when we're not, you know, to, to, to complain and grumble about what's going on in the world around us. But when we see what God has qualified us for through Jesus' death on the cross in our place, how can we then grumble in the face of that? How can we not be grateful? when we're struggling with the day-to-day grind and we experience the frustrations and anxieties as, as we will do in this time, you know, those things aren't going to go away overnight. But even in the midst of all that, we can say and we can pray, you know, actually, Lord, this is really hard and I'm struggling, but I'm grateful that I belong in the kingdom of the Son you love, that I have redemption that my sins are forgiven and I want to know you and I want to keep growing and I want to keep going. As we think then about what would be a good outcome from lockdown, a good outcome from this year, can we then make it our goal to please God by keeping growing and keeping going and keeping grateful? The Puritan John Owen gave an illustration of what it looks like to keep going when it's tough. He was commenting on one of the Psalms, and he said this, and I've updated the English slightly so it's a bit more understandable, but he said, a general in an army heard one of his soldiers cry out when the enemy attacked once again, and the the soldier cried out, it's all over, we're done for, we're ruined. And the general called, called the soldier to him and said, you are a traitor. He said to him, it's not all over, while you still have your sword. The general continued, you see, it's not up to a private soldier to judge how the battle is going based on one individual danger that he faces. 
That's the general's job. It's not the soldier's job. And so John Owen continues, Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. He is the general who has committed himself to leading and conducting our lives through all difficulties. Our duty is not to be distracted by this one battle that we face right here, right now, that is obvious. Our duty is to to fight and to contend, to press on. And his work is to take care of the war, as it were, and so we leave it to him. Can you see the point? As we struggle on, it's not for us to judge whether all is lost. Our job is to just keep pressing on, trusting in this son, to keep growing then, to keep going, to keep grateful. Let me lead us in prayer. Father God, help us to see what it will mean for each of us to grow this year. Help us to see where in our lives there is room for growth, where we need to grow and change. Help us over these coming weeks to reflect on that, to pray, to seek you. so that we might live lives that are worthy of you and that please you in every way, not because we must earn your affection, but because we want to live in the relationship that you've saved us into. We want to live as citizens of this new kingdom of the Son you love, that you've qualified us for. We want to live as children of our Heavenly Father, who loves us with the same love with which you love your son. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for anyone who wants to put their trust in Jesus, even for the first time, to be able to do that and then to see what it means to live trusting in him in these uncertain times. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.